0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to So The Story Is, the podcast.
1: Episode 5, coming to you live from the snowy eastern coast of the United States. How you doing, Torp?
0: Hey, I'm pretty good. Uh, yeah, it is snowing here quite a bit. It was uh, cold and wet today. Uh, honestly, my office was closed, so I'm doing fantastic. How about you?
1: I'm doing good. I, uh, yeah, I was, I was at home today as well. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's coming down pretty gnarly. And there was a, on a, the weather app, it said snow showers, which I, you know, I, we didn't grow up in snow. So I was curious, like, is a snow shower just snow for a long time? Or does that mean like wet snow? Do you know the difference?
0: No, I don't. Yeah, I'm still learning the terminology myself, honestly. Yeah, sometimes you hear uh, sleet. Some sometimes you hear a uh, a wintry mix is tossed around quite a bit. A wintry mix. Yeah, I hear that all the time on the radio. Yeah, uh, you can expect a wintry mix this evening, and I'm like, ah, yeah. Fuck you mean?
1: Um, <laughs> yeah, the but, shit is foul, dude. The wet snow is is not fun at all. It's like kind of gross, to be honest. Yeah,
0: it'll stick to you, and it'll also kind of pool around on the ground. I'm sure in New York that's
1: super gross. Oh, yeah, it's all, it's all brown and, and nasty and horrible. So anyway, I, I was hoping to breach a subject that I've kind of been thinking a lot about lately. Um, I'm in the process right now of hunting for a new job. And as a consequence, of course, I'm sending out a ton of applications to all these different people and companies who I've never uh, met or interacted with before. And, of course, they haven't met or interacted with me. And in writing cover letters, especially, and to a lesser extent, um, you know, your resume itself and also, like, your LinkedIn – and all these weird social media things that employers, weirdly enough, pay attention to nowadays, I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, how I present myself to the world and especially to strangers and especially in kind of a professional sense, I guess, given that it's such a a nation period in our career, right? Like, I, I don't feel entirely established, um, you know, in any like given industry. So it's, it's been interesting for me to, to kind of weave a new narrative depending on, uh, who I'm applying to. And I, and I guess like you have to do that for every job and tailor yourself a little bit, but it's just, it's kind of a weird thing to, to do that over and over again. And it it makes you wonder a lot at, at this age.
0: Yeah, dude, absolutely. And I mean, when you're talking about personal versus professional presentation, it's so intertwined, right, at, at a certain stage. I mean, there there was a time in which, probably in school where you could kind of just be like, yo, what's up, you know, talk about anything really, but now it's it's so pivotal what you do. Um, then the core identifying factor that brought everyone together was like oh we all are either in college or go to the same college or whatever that is right yeah um yeah man i mean that's the first thing you people want to talk about is what do you do what do you you know um what do you do professionally and the crazy thing to me is that usually they don't even care which yeah it's not like i want people to to care about what I do. I mean, I don't, I don't work for them really, but like they, but the idea that it's so delicate when you're talking about that and you, you have to say it in a way that's interesting in case maybe they want to hear more about it. And also, you know, does it justice? Um, yeah. Cause you don't want to be like, you don't want to dismiss your own job cause that's what you do all the time. And then, uh lastly you don't want to bore them with it and just kind of like who wants to talk about they're not no one's really trying to talk about work after work so you know yeah. what's the where? where's the balance it's tough i i agree dude that's a super um presenting yourself to a new person is is uh a little more complicated and nuanced i feel
1: yeah definitely days. definitely and it, it's I mean, obviously, it's so situationally dependent, right? Like when I, you know, in a in a personal conversation with a random person, especially one who, you know, it's a friend of a friend. I might see you again. I might not. Whatever. Like, you can kind of tell them whatever with probably very little, very little recourse to that. And uh, you know, I don't mean that like you should fabricate like anything about what you do but I always like tend to to like play up what I do or sell it in an entertaining way um just because like you said dude people don't care at the end of the day unless you like make them care cuz what you're saying is super interesting or whatever um right but then like yeah dude uh, you know it's it's weird when like that happens I feel the stakes are like super low, but then sometimes like when I'll talk to my relatives who I haven't talked to in a long time, you know, they're like, Oh, so what do you, what do you, uh, what do you do with yourself? And, uh, that's, you know, that's like where I'm, I like, I just think about it a lot, man. Like I want to tell people, um, I tend to want to like romanticize it a lot just because it's more interesting that way. Um, Like I tend to never – I mean right now I'm looking for a job. But when I had one, I still would tend to not like tell people, oh, I do this thing. I would say, you know, I'm a journalist or I work at a nonprofit or I'm a writer or something like that because it's just – it kind of gets at where I'd like to be a little bit more than just my immediate situation. Um, which is an interesting thing. And I wonder if one day, you know, you can just say like, Oh, I work at this place and that will carry the weight that you want it to or have the intended effect. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, it's really fascinating because I think the way you identify yourself first and foremost Obviously, has such a big impact on, um, you know, how your interaction proceeds, whether it's professional or just social. Probably less in the social realm, right? Because you're like, oh, what do you do? I do this. Dope. What do you do? This. Dope. Want to get a beer? Talk about sports. Um, yeah,
0: right. <laughs> no, yeah. totally, dude. Yeah, I think even in a in a social setting uh once you get past the the professional thing then it's even like again when you're meeting someone for the first time it's not like oh I'll see you in class or I I hate referring back to college like it but like it's the default but it's just like
1: yeah well it's what we've known the for the last you know majority of our interactions over the past 5 years has been in college
0: right yeah but so like in the big bad world which you know, is fine. Um, they, it's like, I'm a I'm a dynamic person, and I have quite a few interests that I have uh, worked toward or indulged over the past few years. And you know, being in any sense, personal or professional, reduced to the elevator pitch never really feels good for me. And I don't know if that's just because I'm not good at it or it's because um that's just it's just not supposed to feel good. Yeah. But even you know, even at work, the like, oh hey, you're a new person. My name is this and I do and this is my title. Even as simple as that, which carries no implications at all relationship wise, it is still so unfulfilling and yeah. like they're like, dude, I, you know, my name is Alex. I live in DC. I'm from California. I am reading this book right now is not, is not the story, you know? And yeah, curating that story is, Uh, again, maybe something you get good at and maybe something that is just always going to feel a little bit empty until, like you said, either you know your reputation precedes you in, in some way or another, but like, fuck that. Who's trying to wait for that? You know that's kind of a a shell of a bet. So like, I don't know. It's
1: interesting. Yeah, definitely. And I think I think your reputation can precede you in a number of ways. I mean, if you're if you yourself are popping, then. Like, of course, your name itself will carry weight, or if you are some sort of like public figure, or you know, if you are talking with someone who should know you, then that's probably the end of the story, right? Like, there's an assumption about what you do. But also, I think you're the institution that you work for, organization, or the title that you have within that can also um, carry a lot of weight for a lot of people, you know? Like, I've met folks out here in the journalism realm when I ask like, oh, what do you, what do you do? Not knowing at all what they do. Uh, I've had people be like, oh, I work for the New York times, you know, whereas other people who maybe do some shit like I was doing for a while, they say, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a writer or I, you know, I'm a journalist or something like that. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And I, I always wonder, you know, like, at what point does it really start to matter? Does it ever, you know, with – and I, I, I guess that's, like, a dumb question because it really just depends on who you're talking to and what the context of that situation is, obviously. But um, I don't know. I, I, at this point, like, I feel like I'm, I'm out and, like, meeting a lot of people all the time. So I just run these little, like, experiments all the time to just see what folks respond to and what kind of emotion you can trigger by – kind of like representing yourself in a different light. Um, And again, like that's all like just the professional inquiry that's like interesting to me. Of course, if you're like really trying to get to know someone, dude, I like unless you're really, really fired up about what you do and that defines a huge part of you, then I you probably don't want to talk about that. I probably don't want to talk about that with you. So tell me, you know, tell me about that book you're reading or whatever you want to talk about.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what you're getting at in terms of the the reflective part of it, at least at this stage where it kind of is up for interpretation and and like revision in terms of like how I can really put myself out there in a number of ways that maybe a more established person can't uh, because of their reputation or how well that they're known. And so I've been trying to put a lot more energy into that too, man, like, and not in a self-conscious way either, because like, you know, we both know, you know, your worth really at, at a certain point. And, but like being, like you said, testing the waters and seeing, you know, what, how does, uh, talking about myself this way or, or exposing, you know, this part of my, personality or this this layer of the onion for a little shrek reference i mean it's (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's interesting dude and i i've been getting a kick out of it recently yeah and um especially when i take kind of more extreme liberties and beat around the bush a lot and really just like
1: yeah yeah for sure
0: kind of wing it and almost like that's obviously at that point you're playing a joke on someone, but like we are at that point where you can literally be anyone you want to and Yeah. Why why would you not uh for for experiments for science, dude, just uh fuck with people a little bit too.
1: Yeah, dude. The other day I was I was like out with some friends and we were just talking to a bunch of like random people at a bar and I the reality of my situation was that what I did all day was wake up, like go to the gym, make breakfast, come home, write like 10 cover letters and apply to jobs so that I can get employed because I am unemployed. But after all that, I was like, man, fuck, I just have all these emotions about how unstable my life is. So I wrote like a dumb little poem about it. And then later that night, you know, sure enough, I'm like meeting someone and thinking about all this shit and they're like, oh, like what do you what do you do? I was like, uh, I write poems. Because why not? I did I like I do that sometimes, you know? Like <laughs> does it really matter like what I what I do what I say? And of course then the conversations it's not like no one's like, oh, like what like do you how does that uh, lead to a stream of income, blah blah blah. Then you you can just be like, oh, yeah, no, I I write poems about all all types of things. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. It's just funny, dude, because it, like, who knows, dude? And when people tell me that they do weird shit or even like mundane things, I'm never like, unless it sounds really cool or they're fired up about it, like I said, I don't press them on it, you know? I'll just, I'll be like, oh, cool, I guess, I guess you do that. That's dope, you know? So it's just like funny, dude. It's like a weird, I suspect that when it comes to how you identify yourself professionally, that uh, that spectrum of things that you can honestly identify with, you know more than likely is going to shrink over time as you specialize in one area or another. Um, and of course, like a lot of folks don't have that right? Like there's a ton of writers who, make podcasts and um you know like work for a paper or magazine or freelance and shit and they they probably say that they do a number of things honestly as do any number of people who kind of employ their skills across a number of fields or outlets but I think for the majority of people right like as you go further in your career that uh that decision almost becomes made for you a little bit more, you know? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a really weird time to, to be, you know, thinking about these things because I I feel that that, you know, now that we're not students, now that we don't identify first and foremost as students, um, you know, does your first job out of college like identify you professionally i don't know when does that when can you start feeling more more confident in that um in that definition where does that come from
0: absolutely dude and i all you know that saying that springs to my mind immediately is the more you know the fewer people you can talk to and again obviously not 100 percent true but uh I think anyone can relate to the fact that you're probably going to find it easier to talk to someone that does something that resonates with you or that, you know, has experience that you can relate to. Totally. Um, But yeah, dude, I I don't know. I mean, the, how do you present yourself? And even, I mean, beyond that, obviously there are like more character driven features of like, are you going to be, are you going to be a little louder? Or are you going to shake hands a little more vigor- vigorously? Um, are you going to have five drinks the first time you meet someone? You know, th- those are separate questions, I guess, that we're yeah. talking about. But I think they all play in and they, like, kind of um, demonstrate just how complicated it really is. Because, again, we're all these, like, People with this kind of infinite depth if you want to give people that kind of credit, which I'm inclined to um, and And then here you are again, here's the elevator pitch. What do you do my My name's Alex. Nice yeah. to meet you.
1: I would like to think that you know and it, I mean it's funny talking about this now, and of course i've I've thought about this a lot recently. Um, just cause the nature of my situation, but I mean, the reality is most conversations with people that are genuine and honest and both parties are interested in each other as people, you know, unless you really want to talk about your work, it doesn't, you don't have to right? like you, I usually talk about other things cause I, you know, I, uh, like my LinkedIn profile says I identify first and foremost as a student of life and I view the entire world as my classroom and I'm interested in everything so I just want to talk about pretty much whatever's on my mind at any given moment or whatever's on their mind so um, yeah it's just a it's just a interesting interesting time to be sorry I'm having some uh Technical difficulties on this end. Sorry. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think like you don't have to talk about this all the time, but when you're forced to think about it a lot, it just, it really makes you think about, um, stuff you take for granted. And, uh, I don't know. I, I think when you're really like searching for jobs, a big part of that is just, um, I mean, it's self-identification. You have to take the bulk of your experience and the products of your creativity and put it on a piece of paper and tell a story about who you are using these things as evidence. And for me personally, and for you as well, I know there are a variety of narratives that one could one could uh, overlay over all of that evidence. And so it's interesting to to think about you know, what, what is, if there's even, I don't know if correct and incorrect is even the right way to think about it, but how should we go about, um, identifying ourselves? It's an interesting question.
0: Totally. Absolutely, dude. And I think, all right, so here's a little story about how I was identified by someone else, I guess by, because eventually the, the loop closes itself, right? And if you identify yourself as a certain in a certain way enough other people will start to identify you as that and then um and and bring it back to you and so that loop got closed with me recently in a way that i deflected very very strongly because i kind of wasn't interested in in going there and bringing it back to me um and here that's all okay so someone was like alex are you is San Francisco NorCal, you know, they were looking at me as like kind of the authority to, to settle a dispute as like the authority on the Bay area. Cause I'm like pretty, pretty rowdy about, uh, my hometown and yeah. you know what the Bay pride is like. So anyway, so they turned to me and I was just so, I appreciated being asked, but, um, you know, instead of giving them the, like a textbook answer, you know, what am I an encyclopedia? What the hell? I don't know. Like what kind of answer do you want? Um, I gave them, I said, well, I like to define California by its various biomes of which there are many. (laughs) And you know, that brought up, that was my segue into like, you know, when I lived in California, I was this big, like, hiker guy. I liked to go camping a lot. I went yeah. all over the state, blah, blah, blah. I know it better than, you know, you could ever dream of by looking at a map of the big cities, blah, 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 San Francisco. It
1: implied that, I'm sure.
0: Yeah. I never <laughs> – I didn't say that, exactly. But, like, it. it was this thing where, like, they – then they looked at me like I was crazy and wished they hadn't asked. And it was pretty funny because <laughs> it was like – it was so worth it. Um, yeah. It was one of those moments of like I am going to – I'm going to be a little bit wacky about it and I'm going to do it for myself and not for you all. And I think yeah, that's important too is like to to keep in mind while you're defining yourself to other people to be true – as corny as that sounds but like you know obviously here i am thinking about it a week and a half later like that shit was hilarious only to me so
1: i hope you also said yeah obviously fucking san francisco is northern california you fucking ignorant like what are you serious have what (laughs) 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 that's where were they from bro like not the u.s or like what
0: No, I think they were going for – that one of them, one of the parties was – had spent quite a bit of time in uh, the South Bay and was kind of set on saying like the Bay is its own little (laughs) thing and like real NorCal is is different, which I had to kind of give a little bit
1: of credit to because like – Well, from our time on the Lost Coast, we know that there's definitely a very – distinct flavor to the northernmost parts of Northern California, of which the Bay certainly falls outside of. Precisely.
0: Yeah. So just to be clear, do you mean – are you asking me to define the state of Jefferson?
1: (laughs) Um, Which technically uh, is not Northern (laughs) California because it exists as an independent state. No, yeah, you should have told them uh, they're right. About their South Bay argument, dude. Southern California actually starts at San Leandro, believe it or not. <laughs> it's a uh, yeah, little known fact that people don't give much credit to. But uh, yeah, man, it's it's funny. It's I definitely you know it's it's kind of not like stressful, but definitely provokes a lot of questions that should. Um, push you to be productive in how you think about this kind of things in an academic sense. But in a personal, like who am I as a person sense, dude, it's kind of an exciting time to be in that boat. Cause you can do shit like that and like still be honest about it. You know, like I'm not a hundred percent sure like what exactly defines me yet, but I have all these cool fucking things I've done and things I care about a whole heck of a lot. So, uh, yeah, let me just let me just answer that question with a vivid description of uh, sleeping in three inches of rain for two days straight. Does that answer your question?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, I've been thinking about that story quite a bit. That's one for another time, dear listener. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Check back next week. Um. But uh.
0: So, do you have any? Uh, as you've been working. Uh, diligently and reflecting and revising and uh putting yourself out there do you have any any uh any game anything related to to that for for the folks or anything else for that matter you'd like to
1: add yeah on? so one thing that I've been tapping into recently that has been surprisingly fruitful and um, kind of exciting and really like cool and humanity-affirming is kind of in this job search, dude, that I'm still – and also like very related to this previous conversation about self-identification and stuff. Um, I've been reaching out to a lot of folks in industries that I'm interested in and specific fields that I'm interested in. Um, Kind of through like professional networks and extended friend networks and stuff and just tapping folks and saying, hey, man, I, uh, you know, I see you do this. You've been doing this for a while. Something that I'm interested in, I think. I don't really know a ton about it. I'd love to just get your perspective and talk with you a little bit. And uh, people are very receptive to that, dude. People, I think it's a combination of people loving to talk about themselves, but also, um, you know, it's cool. It's cool to, to fill a mentor role. I think people, um, especially once they've reached a certain point in their career, appreciate the affirmation that comes with having someone reach out to you and acknowledge that you are doing something. And it's funny, dude, maybe that's a, maybe that speaks to, um, you know part of this idea of when do you start to identify with one thing or another? I'm sure that's a big part of it is you know you can feel confident in the fact that you're a copywriter when some post grad college kid comes and says, "Hey, I see that you're a copywriter. Can you tell me about that um, so anyway yeah i I've had a lot of success recently just reaching out and and uh and kind of like cold calling people and just saying, I'd love to to know a little bit about what you do. Um, it's a good way to, you know, I think you should go in with the intention of literally just wanting to know about what they do. I think it's a pretty thin veil if you're just trying to get a connection within an organization. I don't, I don't know if that works out. Maybe I'm just not good enough at that. But for me, like when I'm just honest with people about, my lack of experience and my, uh, interest in what people are doing. Um, a lot of folks have been very willing to speak to me and that's, it's been a really cool thing and giving me a lot of, a lot of great insight into, uh, you know, how to proceed with my own little exploration of, of careers and where I'm trying to end up long-term.
0: Totally dude. Yeah. My friend has a set of rules out here. It's her DC, like, uh, I don't know what you call it, but um the her her commandments kind of <laughs> one of them is like everyone started in the same place so don't be afraid to ask people um for little help you know and like anyone that thinks they're too high and mighty to I mean obviously people are busy but like even to indulge Someone like an honest student of, of the game. Yeah. I feel like he is a shitty person, but, uh, yeah. yeah no.
1: Good. I was just going to say people like some people are busy too. That's just the way it is. Um, yeah. or they're just assholes and don't want to help you or not even assholes, but like none of these people owe anyone anything who just reaches out to them. But I I think for me, like, knowing that about people, that they tend to just be greedy and selfish, it's just surprising how many of them, um, like you said, are are willing to discuss their craft. Um, I've just found that to be, like, incredibly helpful and very pleasingly, uh, I, I guess, within reach in a way that I didn't really anticipate
0: yeah, no, dude, that's that's super cool. And I think that's something that everyone who has either thought about that or been told to do that has it's not easy, you know, to reach out. It it does kind of the the initial hump is to get over is like some people will tell you no and not figure out how to not take that personally. Right. But um yeah, dude, I think it's interesting that what you're talking about in terms of like not being not pushing your hard line of like i needed a job from you or your company because again most of the people i think you're going to be talking to are like you know maybe like mid-career or early mid-career right Um, you're not going to get the ceo to sit down probably but like people who remember i think generally speaking and yeah if you can indulge their as you said self-interest it's a good way to be successful with that dude i had someone ask me i had a like this kid so dc is just chock full of interns man um and someone asked me to like an intern asked me to get a coffee with them and i had no idea what to say it was crazy I haven't been that lost for words in a long time. It was really weird, dude. It was a weird experience because I obviously was not at the place. I didn't feel where I could offer the kind of, you know, not even t- career advice, but like, what does, w- you know, what what does like what I do fall into the bigger s- scheme or outline of what you might want to do once you finish school right um, I didn't have the the breadth of knowledge to address that and it was a trip it was super super funny I, I had him meet me at this cafe and like I tried to be super honest and you know he was very smart and nice kid um, but I found myself apologizing more than once for like dude I was more than happy to meet you here but I uh you know I hope you understand that I don't have a lot to offer bro. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll, you know, buy you a beer sometime. If you hit
1: me back, you're probably
0: <laughs> one sick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's cool, man. And I you know, in a in a really interesting way, there's probably lessons in that interaction for both of you guys, I'm sure, right? Um and so I, I mean generally I think just like I don't know if you wanna consider that uh networking or mentorship or whatever, but just talk with people, bro. Being honest about where you're at, where you wanna be, um, and listening and being willing to offer people, you know, your perspective and your journey, dude. It's like a powerful thing. And I think um I think it's super dope that you were you were even willing to do that with him because you easily could have been like, dude, I don't I don't know anything, sorry, but like, that's that's really cool, man. And I'm sure he's gonna remember that when someone comes and knocks on his door, you know, one day.
0: Yeah, no, we'll we'll see. It definitely could have. Uh, it definitely was a learning experience for everyone. myself included also you know i haven't done enough of that so that's a good reminder from you to keep on keep keep on working man and um meeting people something i've been really trying to do when i'm relating to the self-identification thing and this is kind of outside of the professional sphere but like been so busy you know with the transition to like the professional world, and trying to make sure that I have all my my bases covered and uh, the boxes checked with regards to all these different things about like knowing stuff about this new city and and you know getting the job under control and trying to figure out um, what this like direction will mean for me in the long run I kind of lost track and I, I think you know that kind of took hold even earlier like when I was in when it was like time to apply to schools and like show up at college and like suddenly you have all this shit to deal with like I don't know dude there was plenty of stuff I did before when I was like still a kid that I've been thinking about that was so fun and validating and like there was nothing professional about it and you know a good example is the sports and like trying to make sure that um you know part of what I do is like I was once a very active person and I'm trying to get back there and I used to I used to love to read The Economist and like that like my dad got it every week, and I would like read most of it, at least like the good articles and the, the the like summaries up front. And international trade was a crazy thing. I ended up like kind of falling away from that in a big way um, mm-hmm. once I got to school. And like, dude, I my new favorite fucking thing that I make sure to tell everybody about is this new podcast I'm listening to. That's about like uh, the political economy of the world and it's super tight and like getting back to, and it is just so much fun to get back to. And like, I'm just waiting to bring that up and have someone else be able to talk about that too. And I think just like being reflective in that way of like looking down to back to things that like may not even be, um, professionally productive or even like personally you know that shit i do by myself and
1: um yeah that i lost track of in the in the flurry kind of yeah i i mean dude that that stuff is so important and uh i think to acknowledge that from a young age is really crucial dude because that's that kind of ignorance to those needs to continue to do those things and build your personal, you know, your own independent hobbies and interests, bro. Ignorance to those, to that necessity is the shit that midlife crises are, are built on. You know, like it's, it's can be really easy to wake up one day and realize like, fuck dude, I have no hobbies. Like, I don't know what I do with myself outside of work. And Certainly, I. I mean, I, I. feel like I've seen a fair share of adults that have experienced that, um, or are currently experiencing it, which is gnarly. And uh, yeah, dude, that's that's like super paramount to to your own personal happiness, dude. And and I think developing those things even bleeds into being able to be an overall, you know, productive member of society is like continuing to to develop parts of you that have nothing to do with how you make your bones. Um, Cause like, yeah, dude, at a certain point you go home from work. Right. And then what do you do?
0: <laughs> right. Totally. And like it is and, and what are you doing? Who are you doing that for? Also, I yeah. think it's a big question. Cause like you can be, it, I can imagine and, I experienced this a little bit of, like, you know, I better show up on Monday with something to, to talk about that everyone can relate to. Um, and, you know, thankfully, that that's why I watched the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> I don't give a shit about Not the fucking <laughs> Eagles or whatever. I mean, uh, go birds. So like, well, yeah, but, obviously you know. go birds, but good call. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, you know, like I managed to talk myself out of watching the Oscars for the first year ever because I can give a shit, dude. And um, yeah. uh, that time was better spent. But um, anyways, I think something that we've both been able to keep track of uh, as something that maybe even discovered more recently as something that is a central part of. Our identities, or maybe what we hope to be at our identities, is cooking, uh, being in the kitchen. Something I definitely can thank you a lot for uh, turning me on to. But you know, yeah, we're both uh, kind of aspiring chefs. I mean, you got at least one mark on your resume about that. Yeah. Um, but kind of leads into uh, we like to challenge each other and push each other. And I think that's that's definitely a big part of my favorite part of this podcast is the time of the week when (sighs) you push me a little bit further to cook further and farther and harder than ever, our cooking challenge.
1: Cooking challenge, dude. Could not have put it better myself, dude. It's a... Uh, yeah, this shit is hell fun for both of us. And it's like... It's really cool that... uh That we're both on the same wavelength about it. Because... Yeah, man. It's hell fun to do that. And... uh On that note... Before... Before we get into this week's cooking challenge... I'd like to... Close the loop on... uh Last episode's challenge. Which was um of international proportion let's say it was a bit of a uh a road show um so you if people listeners remember you were visiting philadelphia for the weekend for a brief stint i was visiting montreal for the weekend for a brief stint and we each challenged each other to explore some regional cuisines and so i have to ask how was how was your uh how was your exploration? Fruitful?
0: Dude, very. So, yeah, I didn't find any Irish potato candy. I no. honestly, uh, you know, what the hell,
1: dude? That was a pretty,
0: pretty big <laughs> list, but like pretty funny. I don't
1: know. It might there just was- be an internet joke, honestly. It might not <laughs> even be a real thing. It might just be some Philadelphia troll joke.
0: Some yeah. Yeah, you guys had any Irish potato candy? Uh, <laughs> yeah, last time the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> but no, yeah. Anyway, I was looking for it. I don't know. I went to like like two different confectioners, and they didn't have it. So uh, I also didn't get water ice because it was very cold that that weekend. But I I did hear that that's actually what they call uh like shaved ice or snow cones is water ice. Weird. So, Dude, I had this fucking sandwich. Philadelphia is a sandwich town. Yeah. And it was not the cheesesteak. I had a couple cheesesteaks, but I came upon a like a, a Jewish deli. Nice. And what I got, the line was long. And the reason I walked over is because I saw this piece of fucking corned beef that was like probably 30 pounds and just g- glowing. Um, <laughs> but but – they had all these. They had all these different cuts of meat under these like key lamps that they were, you know, chopping up, and each one would last like ten minutes because the line was so packed. But um, I got a Rachel sandwich. I got a turkey Rachel and I got a corned beef Rachel, and the Rachel is a Reuben with uh, coleslaw instead of sauerkraut, and I had them put it on Hala for me as well, just to get the extra. Full effect, full cultural effect, and uh, they put a Russian dressing on it that was like to die for, super like creamy and sweet. Oh man, dude, challah in a panini press goes crazy. It like soaks up all the butter, and it was just oh yeah,
1: that's like an uh, edible sponge, dude. Yep, that's fire.
0: So it was that was one of the best sandwiches I've ever had, dude. Was the uh, actually the turkey was phenomenal how these guys yeah obviously had cooked it super slow
1: they low, smoke but it.
0: no i think they um i think they just like roasted it for hell long like it was Damn. slow cooked and was like you know they're they're like struggling to keep it together but uh oh yeah it was one of those situations where it's so busy and i studied the menu so hard and i just you know the guy's like next and i look him in the eyes i say turkey corned beef Rachel on holla, and, and he, like, gave me the, like, affirmation, like, fuck yeah, dude, you're goddamn right, <laughs> Rachel on holla.
1: And, uh, like,
0: uh, and tossed me these sandwiches, bro, it was good. One turkey, one corned beef, go
1: birds. Go birds. I'd like to – wait, so how, how long were you actually in Philadelphia?
0: Um, we <laughs> – We got to Philly at like 5 o'clock on Sunday and we left at 3 o'clock on Monday.
1: Okay, that's hella funny because in your preamble, you were like, yeah, I had a couple cheesesteaks too before you proceeded (laughs) to tell a story about having multiple sandwiches. So you ate four sandwiches in the course of 22 hours, bro. That's that's doing Philly right, man. That's like (laughs) true cultural immersion. I'm all about it. Uh, not, uh, I appreciate
0: you picking up on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's that's legendary, dude. That's,
0: uh, damn. I was by myself quite a bit of that time, and so I was just like... I needed a around. companion, dude, yeah. Yeah, fucking you guys got sandwiches in here? Uh, <laughs> definitely. So you were in Montreal, dude. What did you stumble upon?
1: So, uh, I... Your thing for me was to get... uh I believe it was called Poutine Rappé or something, uh, right? It was called Poutine Rappé. Yeah. So here's the thing, dude. Poutine looks hella gross. <laughs> like It looks hella gross and damn near every place sells it. So like that just means that there's a lot of really bad poutine out there. Um, and so when we were up there, I had in the back of my head, it's like, all right, dude, I got to get some poutine, but like, I don't really want to just run up on any of these shops and like get poutine just to do it, you know, because like, that's, uh, that like, I'm trying to eat good poutine. I want like really authentic poutine that people make, not because we're in Montreal, because it's like actually good at this place and like people want to eat it. So I was keeping my eyes out at like every, like, decent looking place that we, we walked past for poutine and um, long story short, dude, I just put it off until, until, you know, I got a little drunk our last night and was like, fuck, fuck. We got to go get poutine right now. (laughs) It's like two in the morning and snowing. And yeah, my girlfriend was like, dude, no, we're not. I'm sorry. So my, the, like (laughs) the last option that was held funny was we took a bus back um we took a bus back from from Montreal and right as soon as we crossed over uh through customs and uh and like stopped at this little rest stop there was an A&W in a gas station and they had poutine there oh yeah they did so obviously I didn't have anything to do with it. I didn't buy it, but I did take a picture of it because it was hella funny. Oh, dude. So, so I, yeah, I, I boofed it, dude. I was just, I was like so sure that I was going to stumble into some like all wooden brick shop that's been around for, you know, 6,000 years and like they only serve poutine and it was some like gr- grisly old lumberjack was going to drop it down in front of me. But, I, dude, I just, You know, a big reason why I didn't ever break down and buy it was because Montreal just has amazing food everywhere. Like, I ate so much good food up there.
0: Yeah, what was something Um, good that you did get?
1: So, I'll tell you, we, for the most part, we didn't, like, go anywhere, like, super fancy uh, during the day. Like, we just ate, like, at little cafes and stuff, which were, uh, Canada's, like, pretty cheap for the American dollar, which was sick. Really appreciated that. Um, so that was all good. We were just trying to like budget, but oh man, dude, one night we went to this place called Manitoba shouts out Manitoba, dude. It's a, it's like, a it's fine dining. So it was a little, it was like kind of expensive, but not like super expensive. It wasn't like an outrageously, you know, crazy meal, but they are a, uh, you know western canadian restaurant which like i didn't even really know what that meant too much before um before like tapping in dude and these guys were really cool super like our waiter was awesome he was totally uh you know wanted to give us the full experience we told him like dude we're visiting like show us canada through food and um it was awesome dude they we had like a little tasting menu we got um Everything was, like, super local. We had a bunch of local produce and seafood, and um, I think the the best part of it was, like, uh, the dessert was this crazy, like, frozen custard dish made from local honey And they had frozen berries that were picked locally in season and then like shredded them over this thing and then put a bunch of local honey on top of it. And it was just amazing, dude. But each course represented some aspect of the local culture, whether it was like the the native, the indigenous, you know, Canadian fare that people have been eating for literally centuries up there or, you know, some of the French influences that were in the city um it all came out and these guys just did such an amazing job of of walking us through. And it was cool too cuz we sat at a bar right by the open kitchen and it was kind of slow when we went. So the whole time dude, I was like after every course, I would catch the chef's eye and just give him a quick like nod, nah, dude. I was on another planet during this meal. It was so good like I, I probably said like Ten words the whole time, I was just like drooling on myself and taking it all in, and it was it was one of the best versions of like a local tasting menu I've ever had in my life, and it really exceptional so shouts out Manitoba that place is incredible. people are amazing uh, chef super just you know standard standard techniques, nothing like super fancy dude, just like good food grown and raised by people that obviously care about what they do and care about the culture that it represents and um, yeah it was it was a very narrative experience and I loved it dude so that was like the highlight of the food up there but pastries were on point coffee was on point everyone's nice dude Canada's sick Canada's just awesome I fuck with Canada nice but, dude
0: that's so sick Damn. but yeah that sounds like a yeah. dream.
1: It was a dream, dude. I came back and you've been eating ramen noodles to cover the expenses ever since, but it was worth it. <laughs> I'll do it again. But uh, on that note, I think it's time for the next iteration. And I have one for you. I'm, I'm going to troll you super hard. Uh, oh. as, as we alluded to at the beginning of the show, um, it's hell cold and snowing uh out here on the east coast and so my challenge my challenge to you for this week is to cook gazpacho chilled tomato spanish soup
0: yeah i love gazpacho dude tight okay yeah um that is hell funny because i'm going to want to eat it right when it's warm but <laughs> I'll uh I'll chill it down oh that's awesome dude that's cool have you ever done it I guess you can't give me tips but
1: I haven't personally but uh my pops went on like a gazpacho binge dude like he was making it too much um (laughs) when when the tomatoes were looking right uh back in high school so um it's fire. I mean, like, the reality is, bro, it's going to taste hella good. We still eat salads even though it's cold out, so whatever. But, like, yeah, it's it's a fun one, dude, because it's kind of, like, an interesting process to get to. And, like, it's a it's a really different flavor that comes out of the tomato that is typically used, I think. Like, it's a little bit less of that, like, robust earthiness and more of the, the acid, like – quasi citrusy notes that you get out of them that like makes a good gazpacho. So it's really fun to to experiment with that. I think you're going to have a good time.
0: Oh yeah, that's awesome, dude. I'm super excited for that. And, uh, sounds like it's, uh, I mean, obviously gazpacho is veggie heavy, which is always good
1: for, good for the health. Yep. Good for the wallet too.
0: Good for the wallet. Yeah. Um, all right, dude. So so for you um I honestly had a good idea but then you just kind of surprised me with that one so I kind of forgot it in the moment but, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 um I will give you something similar just because uh maybe yeah, it'll be veggie veggie euro. So, um, yeah, dude, make some ratatouille. Make a smacking ratatouille. Oh man, that's a procedural thing that'll be hell easy, but probably take enough of your time that it will make it uh, officially
1: costly. Technically, opportunity time wise. Dude, I I see, you, bro. I fuck with that. That's a that's an interesting one. I've actually never made ratatouille in my life.
0: Yeah, me neither. I've been encouraged to uh similarly to the gazpacho because it's like healthy and affordable. Um but I think you have to cook it for a really long time. And, yeah. But I but I also know having eaten some delicious ratatouille's that you can
1: um, have fun with it and I'm sure you'll take advantage of that. So, yeah, dude, that's, that's a super fun one. Also very much, um, appreciate the, the veggie health aspect of that. Cause that's, uh, yeah, you know, I'm all about that. That's fire. Um, damn bro. Ratatouille. Okay. Yeah. That's, that seems like them. a, that seems like a fun cast iron dish too. try Always love breaking out the iron.
0: Yeah, dude. No, I think um, you can definitely make it in cast iron. But you, for anyone who is listening, that's a something of a French dish, and it is not necess- I never saw the the show or the movie, but uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if that does it justice. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so I'm bringing that up because gazpacho is a Spanish dish and this here you are French. So yeah, there you go. um, I think, you know, you can do it super, uh, super classy and and beautiful or you can do it kind of as something you can throw back in the fridge. But, um, you know, the tomatoes, the eggplant is probably going to be the most interesting cooking. Eggplant has always been difficult for me because I'm never patient enough,
1: Yeah, but,
0: um, yeah, have
1: the zucchini, have fun. Dude, that's, uh, I like that a lot, man. That's um, that's going to be fun, too, because I feel like it's one of those things, almost like gazpacho, that at its core, it's like a very simple recipe. But like you said, um, dude, like there's just a lot you can do with it, a lot of variations, and uh, yeah, dude, that's, I like that a lot, dude. I I like that. I'm excited for that one. Cool, that's
0: good. Wait, so last thing, do you wanna you want green or red gazpacho? Uh,
1: I'm gonna leave that up to you, dog. All right. I just want a nice chilled tomato soup. I'll let I'll <laughs> let you decide how that manifests itself.
0: How that comes. Yeah, man. All right. Well, cool. Well, uh, we hope you have enjoyed this week's iteration of so the story is the podcast episode five stay tuned for the next one make sure you're subscribed we're actually on itunes now yes
1: very Uh, exciting
0: you can just look up so the story is it'll be on soundcloud first but uh the way the internet works something happens and it gets to itunes so um if you prefer that you just you know bide your time a little bit but uh andrew it's been a pleasure as always so we'll Catch
1: up. Yeah. Until next week, have a good one, Torp.
0: Right.